Father, we thank You as we look to Your Word today that You have... Turn over to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. There was a man who returned from a foreign holiday and he was feeling very ill. So he went to see his doctor and he immediately was rushed to the hospital to undergo some tests. And uh, he woke up and found himself isolated in a, in a private hospital room. And when he went over to try the door, the door was locked from the outside. And um, after a, a little bit, the phone rang. And so he answered the phone and it was his doctor. And he says, uh, we've had some results back from your test and we found that you have an extremely nasty virus who's progressed so far we are completely helpless to destroy or even slow down. Oh my, the man says. So what are you going to do? Well, the doctor said, we're going to put you on a diet of pizzas, pancakes, tortillas, and pita bread. So the man asked, he said, will that cure me? He says, well, no, but it's the only food we can fit under the door. <laughs> well, that's not very good, is it? <laughs> I don't think any of us would be feeling particularly blessed if someone was going to be doing that for us. We would like to see something more taken care of. But we're going to be taking a look at the next two uh, next two parts here of uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, which is goodness and faithfulness. And we know when the talked about as far as the fruit of the Spirit and the love that we walk in from that, this goodness is going to be something a whole lot better than what that man in the hospital was experiencing. The Word of God says in chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. We understand the fruit of the Spirit is singular. And that that is love, but these other things are outgrowth from it. We've looked at joy and peace. Last week we looked at long-suffering and kindness. And this week we're on the goodness and faithfulness. And the word here for goodness comes from the word agathosum. It means uprightness of heart and life. In the Goodness in the sense of being good to someone. Uprightness of heart and life. Goodness in the sense of being good to someone. It comes from the word agathos. And we talk about agathos a number of times in the, in the church here. You may not all know Greek, but I'm sure there's a few words you've come to know. And agathos is one of those. Good as to its nature. And it's good because we judged it to, to be such. We use the example of walking up and down the grocery aisle. But when you take this and you combine it and make this word here that we have, this particular word is only found in biblical and ecclesiastical writings. Outside of the church, no one else really used this word. That's pretty much it. The word was used to portray a person who was generous, big-hearted, lib liberal, and charitable with his finances. In other words, you would call this person a giver. When it talks here about being goodness, it's talking about goodness, sharing good things that you have. That's what this word is talking about. Now, we're going to do a bit of a study on the, the word here, goodness. We're going to look at a number of the words that weren't used, as well as this one that was. But over here in Romans chapter 15, in verse 14, Now, I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are all full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, knowledge able, able also to admonish one another. How many of you all know that just as you are filled with the love of God, just as you are filled with joy, you are also filled with with the goodness of God. This goodness is a word that means generous, wanting to share with others what you have. Does God walk in such a way as to be generous? Does God walk in such a way as to give what He has to others? Yes. Then He has taken this aspect of His nature and made it a part of you. That you have on the inside of you the goodness of God. How many of you have often thought about what you would do if you had a million dollars or if you won one of those mega lottery things and, <laughs> and all the things that you would do with it? And You know, you go over all the people you'd like to bless and, and help. Well, that's the goodness of God coming out of you. I'd give it to you. <laughs> Man, you're something. That's, that's the goodness of God. See, the, the, the goodness that is natural people we want to take care of ourselves. 
and you know, put a little bit out over here, but we want to take care of ourselves. The goodness of God is different. Now, we talked about politicians in this, in this church before. Politicians are very good at being generous with your money. Isn't that right? We're very generous about, about being, being gen- very good about being generous with your money. They want to take your money and give it whom they determine is, is worthwhile. Which is just ridiculous. But if, and I've seen studies on this on a number of, of people, and some of the ones that are considered to be most, some of the most giving in social programs are the most stingy when it comes to their own money. Some of them, in fact, a, a good majority of politicians who are out there advocating that taxes need to go up and we need to give more of your money out to other people give less than 1% of their money to any charitable organization. Less than. We're not, that's not the goodness of God. The goodness of God is to take what I have and to be generous with it. That's the goodness of God. That's what they put in here as one of the fruit of the Spirit. This is part of the fruit of the Spirit. This is what comes up on the inside of us when the, when the fruits become abundant. He said to be part of the vine. Be part of the vine. That we are to come in and to be Part, part of the vine. Who is the vine? Jesus. Who is the vine dresser? God the Father. And we are the branches. And the branches become part of the vine and bear fruit. We said it's important that we bear fruit because we don't bear fruit. What's He do with us? Eventually, He cuts us off. We don't want to get cut off. We want to stay on. That's why it's imperative that we know what the fruit is because sometimes we're being told we're unfruitful when actually we have been producing fruit. Sometimes we think we are a useless branch because the enemy has been telling us that when actually we have been producing stuff. One of these things that you will produce is goodness. That desire to go out there and bless people. That you see people in need and you say, oh, I'm just going to go over there and help that person out. That's a desire put in you from God. And as you grow, it gets bigger and bigger. And so Romans 15, 14, again, now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. You're full of goodness. It's the exact same word used. This word's only used about four times in the New Testament. This is one of them. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. I wanted to get the whole context of this in here, but let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So there are works of darkness that are unfruitful. They don't produce these kind of fruits on the inside of us. But when we walk after the things of God, after His light, one of the things we will see is this goodness coming out that I wish to share what I have with others. Now, how many have said, well, I would share if I had something? Anybody ever say that? I'd share. If I had something, I would share. That is wrong. That is a lie. If you don't share what you have now, you won't share what you have later on. There's a story. I didn't put this in your outline. But with the widow's uh, two mites, I believe this is in Matthew chapter 12. Verse 41, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow, what kind of widow? Poor widow. Came and threw in two mites, which make a, a uh, quandrons, in case you were wondering. <laughs> so he called his disciples to himself and he said to, to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this, What? Poor widow. So Matthew called her a poor widow. If you go over to Mark's gospel, he called her a poor widow, and Jesus calls her a poor widow. So I imagine that she was poor widow. That <laughs> she's put in more than all those who have given the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had her whole livelihood. The goodness of God drives us to give 
what we have. Do not look at politicians who give away what they do not have, what is not theirs. That is not the example that we follow. The example we follow is that of God's. God gives what He has. I give what I have. I may not have as much as so-and-so, but I give what I have. I can find opportunities to give what I have. This, this widow, what kind of widow? Poor. Poor widow gave two mice, which was not very much. It was very insignificant. And all these other folks were, were in there putting all kinds of money in. Gold coins and silver coins and all sorts of stuff. Probably want to hear the noise that it made when it you know, hit the bottom. Because they were giving much. And they thought that God would see them because they were giving much. But they gave out of their abundance. God said this one gave out of little. Now, one more story for you. You remember another widow over in the Old Testament that Elijah was sent to. Something about widows. And so Elijah was sent over to this widow. And, and uh, Elijah found her. And he said, uh, can you make me a cake? I said, oh, well, we can't really do that because what I'm doing right now is I'm gathering some sticks and I'm going to make a fire and I'm going to make the last little meal that we have and I'm going to make a cake for me and my son. We're going to eat it and then we're going to die because that's all we have. We have nothing more, no other means to get anything more. And so Elijah said, well, make a cake for me first and then make one for you guys. But you see, the Word of God had said that she had been prepared to do this and that God sent her to someone who was prepared. And so Elijah goes to her and, and she sees the opportunity. Something was stirred inside of her heart and so she went ahead and she did that and she made a cake for him. Now there was apparently enough to make a cake for her and the son. So she made a cake for him first, which was she instructed, brought it on out and gave it to him. How many of you or you or Elijah want to ask a poor widow for a cake? when she's only got enough to make enough for her and her son. But Elijah knew if she was obeyed, if she, as long as she did it, she'd be taken care of for a long time. So did she give out of her abundance? Did she give out of winning the lottery? She gave out of what? little tiny bit that she had. You see, we have to give what we have because there's a nature that's rise up on the inside of us called the goodness of God. And the goodness of God rises up to go out and to bless people to help people and not just give why well, I don't have money so I'll do that. No, we all have money. Find something that you, you can do with what little you got. If you don't have a whole lot, fine. But find what you can do and, and, and do it and follow after God. Now, don't get into those things. You know, sometimes people bring in stuff in here and have me check it out for them and, and uh, you know, some of you all folks have, have done that. You know, you get these letters in the mail about some evangelists, you know, they have some super anointing on their life that if you give into their ministry, then you will never have, all your debts will be paid off. You know, supernatural debt cancellation anointing. It's not even in the Word of God, but they'll come up with all these kind of gimmicks. And uh, I noticed uh, Tony Cook, you all remember, some of you may remember him. He came on out here. He uh, came out of the, the school I was at. And he was always talking about how, uh, you know, when it was the year uh, 2007, that everybody needed to give, you know, either seventy dollars or seventy-seven dollars or seven hundred and seventy-seven dollars and stuff like that. He said, "I noticed that none of them ever gave asked for seven cents. <laughs> they all wanted, you know, certain certain kind of amount in there. And that's just you know, don't fall for the gimmicks. Don't fall for those kind of things. Don't listen to the folk. Well, we have super debt canceling anointing given to this offering, and on all your debts will be canceled. See, what you have to listen to is the spirit of God." The woman who ministered to Elijah, the widow, was prepared by God. Elijah didn't come up to her and say, I have a supernatural flower-producing ministry. <laughs> and if you will give into my ministry right now, your flower will supernaturally reproduce. He didn't say that. He went to the woman that God had prepared and she saw the opportunity. She still had to obey. She still had to take that step of faith. It wasn't easy. How many of y'all know it's not easy to take when you have enough for two cakes and take one of them when it's your last meal and there's no place to get any more? There was a famine, severe famine. This was it. How many of y'all know that takes a step? 
And you may, God may rise up on the inside of you and point somebody out across the way and say, I want you to, and just give you an amount, might be a small amount, but it's a reach for you. And you might be saying, Paul, that's a reach for me, but that's not going to matter to them. How's I, that's, in, that's, you know, they won't even put gas in their tank. Don't you worry about it. You go out there and do it. Because the goodness of God is rising up on the inside of you. And as the goodness of God rises up, fruit is produced. So you listen to it. And you do it. Don't sit there and say, well, Father God, if I win the lottery, you know, then I'll. <laughs> and I'm sure that many of us would. But He wants us to get practice letting that goodness of God come on out of us now. Let it go. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. Now the context here is looking toward the coming of Jesus. Therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and work of faith with power. All the good pleasure of His goodness. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a goodness that is in God. As we become part of the vine, the nature of God that is in Jesus Christ, part of the vine, comes up in us. And goodness is one of these things. Don't battle it. Don't fight it. If God rises up into you and says, bless that person with $5. Bless that person by buying them a Coke or an iced tea or whatever. Don't sit there and say, oh, that sounds so insignificant. Oh, there's no way that that could be, be right. You go ahead and you do it. You do what God says to do. When it comes up from God and you obey it, oh, I'll tell you what, we're letting that fruit come out. That's being fruitful. In Mark chapter 3, in verse 4, then He said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they kept silent. Now this word is almost identical to the other one. It's a little bit different. But it's the same kind of meaning. It is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? Now here He was talking in particular kind of goodness about healing someone on the Sabbath. Doing good in, in that particular way. The other word seems to be more talking about... Uh, uh, giving, but he was going to give of what he had in this one, which was healing power. And he wanted to give on a Sabbath, but they were all looking at him saying, you can't do that on a Sabbath day. We've got to stop doing all this healing and stuff like that on the Sabbath. And he said, is it lawful to do good or to do evil? Now, Luke chapter 6, we covered this one before, but I just wanted to throw this in so you see the difference in the word. But I say unto you, Luke chapter 6, verse 27, I say unto you, which here, love your enemies, do good, kalas, to them which hate you, and bless them that curse you, and pray for them that despitefully use you. Now this word here, kalas, means good, excellent in its nature and characteristics, and therefore, well adapted to its ends. It's applied by the Greek to everything, so distinguished in form, excellence, goodness, usefulness, as to be pleasing. That's from Thayer's. We find this word is used about 40 times in the New Testament, a little bit more often than the one we're looking at right now. But most times it's used to describe something well said or well done. So when it says in the Scriptures, do good to them that hate you, it's not necessarily talking about a financial blessing. If it would have been that, it would have used one of the words we're looking at now. It's talking about do good to them that hate you. Speak well, say well to them that hate you. If people hate you, they're generally saying nasty words about you, aren't they? But you don't speak nasty words back. You speak good words back. That's what that is talking about. Now, we just covered this not too long ago, but just want to review that with you. One of the things that uh, said of Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus answered the Pharisees well. Or you have done well that you shared in my distress talking about Paul. Or that you let the elders rule well. This is where this word is used. Anyway, we're going over here to Acts chapter 10. I want you to take a look at this particular one. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. And there we have a slightly, well, a, a, a different word actually used. Doing good and healing all who were pressed by the devil for God was with him. That particular word for good is a word that only means to do good as in uh, uh, someone who would give a 
a charitable donation to a charitable organization. Someone who would support a charitable organization. This word is talked about in this way. It's a very old Greek word. But what it means is it means, means to be philanthropic or to support ministries or organizations that are doing good. It's said here in this verse, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about two things, doing good and healing all were oppressed of the devil. So what are the two things that Jesus is doing here? Healing. And we always generally focus on the healing part, don't we? He went about healing and we saw all the times that groups of people were brought in and He healed them. But here we have this very old Greek word that is used describing Jesus saying that He went about doing good. What did He do? Gave money. What's Jesus' job? Does He show up to work anywhere? You get a paycheck. What's He doing? Giving. Giving from what? Now, I want to give you an idea. Jesus was poor. Do you remember when Jesus was very young that a whole group of people came over on about 40 camels? And then you know what they brought? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, understand, it's not like the pictures where they, you know one guy brings a little, little box of gold and another guy brings a little box of frankincense. And another guy brings a little box of myrrh. That's not what it was, folks. They brought camel loads over to Jesus and to his family. Did Joseph and Mary live high on the hog? They didn't, did they? Why? Who did they bring it for? The king of the Jews. The king who was coming. The one sent by God. And so Mary and Joseph took all that stuff, packed it away for when Jesus would need it in ministry. Because Jesus never lacked for anything. And he had so much money that Judas himself was dipping out of the till. And apparently it didn't affect them. They had so much money that it was a, such a common thing for them to go out and to give to the poor, that when Judas got up at the Last Supper and left, the disciples wrote in their narrative, they assumed that he was going out to give to the poor. Can you imagine it? that it so often happens that in the ministry of Jesus that he gives to the poor, that for someone like Judas who had the money to get up in the middle of dinner, your first assumption is, oh, I guess he went out to give some money to the poor. That's not a ministry on hard times. And Jesus went about doing what? Doing good, giving money and healing. That's what he did. The goodness of God, folks, is of such that we give what we have. If you only have a little bit, then you give out of your little bit. If you get a bit more, then you give out a little bit more. And if you get a little bit more than that, then you give out a little more, bit more than that. Just give to God. Just let the goodness of God come out of you and give. That's all. Don't sit there and say, oh, I don't have anything. Oh, I can't do that. Don't do it. Stand there and say, Father God, I will give out of what I have. If that poor little widow woman could give out of her poverty, if that widow woman who was called to help Elijah out could give out of what she had, and you can keep on going to the Word of God and find others too, I can give what I have. I can give out of what I have. Jesus looked at what that widow woman did when she put that offering in and she says, you know, she gave more than all of them. But you know, when you count up the money, she didn't. But Jesus looked at it and said, you know what? She gave more than all of them did. Uh, that's what he thinks about it. Don't ever put down what you're given. If you're given the way God told you to give, if you're given out of whether you have a whole lot or whether you have just a little, don't you ever put down what it is that you give. Don't you ever feel bad about it. Well, this is all. Don't ever go out there. This is all I can give. Don't do it. Don't do it. You'd be glad. You'd be proud. Father God, I'm giving out of what I have. And God says, good for you. That's the goodness of God working in you. Because the goodness of the flesh would be trying to get you to hoard up what you got. But you're not giving into that. You're giving into the goodness of God. Good for you. God, He's excited about it. He's glad. Allowing, we're allowing the nature of Jesus, the vine, to work in us the desire to do good things for others. 
even blessing them financially is part of the fruit-bearing experience. Just understand that. When I, when I bless other people, when I help other people out, and it might be all kinds of little things, maybe you're out with someone and God says, just buy lunch for them. You just bless them because you listen to God. Whatever it is that God says to do, go ahead and do it. Now, you can come up with some things on your own part and, and, and see some stuff to do, and that's all fine too. But boy, especially when God says, go out there and do that, you make sure you go out there and do it. And that is the goodness of God. But there's another word in here as well, and that's faithfulness. This word faithfulness is from the word pistis. It's the character one who can be relied on. That's from Thayer's. The character of one who can be relied on. A faithful person is one who is devoted, trustworthy, dependable, dedicated, constant, and unwavering. Let me say that one again. A faithful person is one who is devoted, trustworthy, dependable, dedicated, constant, and unwavering. That is a faithful person. And this is a trait that comes out of us because we are attached to the vine and the fruit of love is producing and bearing fruit. And one of the things we will see is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Let's take a look at what this word has, uh, tells us in the Word. This word is used all over the place. Now, this part, let me read this definition one more time. A faithful person is one who is devoted, trustworthy, dependable, dedicated, constant, and unwa- unwavering. This is contrary to the flesh. The flesh seeks to be lazy, uncommitted, undependable, and completely unreliable. How many of you all are acquainted with that aspect of the flesh? (laughs) Haven't we all become acquainted with that aspect of the flesh? Doesn't that rise up on the inside of us? When you get up in the morning and the faithful side of you says, let's go! And the flesh part of you says, isn't that that it? I mean, when when you're going and you don't feel all that good, but work's calling, you need to be over there at work. Or you need to do something for the for the household, or to help out the family, or to and here's that job, here's that thing, and your flesh is rising up. No, let's be lazy. Let's not do this for a while. No, let's put this off. But what happens? Something's going to win out. A faithful person is one who is devoted, trustworthy, dependable, dedicated, constant, and unwavering. Lazy, uncommitted, undependable, and completely unreliable. Not something we need to have, is it? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Whoops, got ahead of myself there a little bit. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. He's our example. If you want an example and who faithful is, God is. But again, these are the fruits of the Spirit. What comes out is what He is because we become attached to the vine and His nature comes out of us. He is faithful. If you want an example of being faithful, look at God. Look at Jesus. Are they not on the job all the time? Are they not putting up with us all the time? How many times have we let them down? (laughs) Oh, man. But they still, they're still there. God the Father, He's still there doing His role. Jesus the Son, still there doing His role. Holy Spirit, still here about in the earth doing His role. They still keep going at their role even though we don't. Isn't that right? Oh, I'll tell you what. we got lots of examples of being unfaithful all around us. But God is our example of faithfulness. Jesus is our example of faithfulness. The Holy Spirit is our example of faithfulness. How many times has the Holy Spirit revealed truth to us and we kind of just didn't give it the attention that it needed to give, be given? So the Holy Spirit said, well, alright, fine, I'm not giving you any more. <laughs> now what's He do? When we're ready, He comes back and He gives us more. Because He's faithful. He's, his role is the giver of truth. And He's faithful at it. He continues to go at it. He keeps... Revealing truth. He keeps giving us truth. He keeps helping us out in this area. 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, He will usually, if He's in the mood, if He's having a good day, 
Now, what's he? What's he do? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No matter what, if we come and confess our sins to Him, the Word of God says He is faithful to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To wipe the whole thing out. He is faithful to do it. He will do it all the time. The devil will get in our head and say, Nah, you've just you've done this too many times. I mean, every day you've been coming to God with this thing. I mean, you've got to understand, God's eventually going to get tired of this. Then we go back over here. And what's it say? He is faithful. What's our definition of faithful? A faithful person is one who is devoted, trustworthy, dependable, dedicated, constant, and unwavering. He does not waver because you gave in to the same thing yesterday. Doesn't do it. He is faithful. This is His example. This is who He is. The nature of God in faithfulness is what's going to come out in us. Because we're attached to the vine. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24. He who calls you is faithful and also will do it. He'll accomplish the thing He calls you to do. Through you. He's faithful. He's faithful. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Oh, glory to God. He's faithful. He is faithful. He's on guard all the time. That doesn't mean that nothing bad will ever happen. It means He is on guard about the evil one. He'll be there warning you. Watch out. This one's coming. Get ready. Or do like they did to the disciples. Pray that you don't enter into temptation. Come on, get with it. Let's go. Pray that you don't enter into temptation. He'll help us out. He's on guard. He's watching. i got to be faithful with what He gives me, but He is faithful. He's watching over us. Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for He is the Lord of, of lords and King of kings, and those who are, who are with Him are called chosen and... Oh, He's called us faithful. How many of you think that's a reach? <laughs> First Corinthians 4 and verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found. It's required. If you want to become a steward of the things of God, what do you have to be? In other words, if you want to become a steward of the finances of God, what must you be? In what? If you want to become a steward of the power of God, what must you be? With what? No matter what it is that God has, if we want to become a steward over it, we've got to be faithful with what we do have. Because we all have something. Show your faithfulness with it. Show your faithfulness with what you have. And let God say, you know what? Look at that one over there. I mean, they're doing all right. How many of you think back to when you, you, know, you started a new job? Or way back when you first got a, your first job and you had no experience at all? And what did they give you to do? Easy stuff, right? Stuff that if you failed at it, it wouldn't matter. That's what you do. When we were at the Ken's Pizza restaurant, you know where we started the men? Any man had joined in there. You know where we started them? Washing dishes. Every single one. You came in and you were a new recruit. Didn't matter. I mean, everybody who came in had the name Cook. But it didn't matter because you were a cook in the back room. And you'd cook them dishes. Every single one. You'd go back in there and you, you had to be faithful in the, in the dish. Now, if you were a woman, you didn't start in the dish, dish room. They started them right up there waiting on tables. It was us guys. We got stuck in the back room. You know, the girl was hired to be a waitress. She started out being a waitress. And uh, they didn't let them on the register. But they'd start out being a waitress and eventually they worked their way up and they could be a waitress and work on the register. And we had a couple of them that would actually be waitress, register, and even could do something on the make table. That was the extent of the woman's involvement. The, uh, the ladies did not run the ovens. That was us guys. They were spared from it. I'll tell you what, it was, it was nasty. We came out of there burns and all sorts of stuff and we didn't want to mark up the gals. We guys got more marked up. But that was the extent of that. The guys, we got stuck in the back. We had to unload the trucks. 
we had to uh, take care of the, the, the washing dishes. So when I started there, I went in the back room and I started washing dishes. That's what they gave me to do. They didn't make me. I didn't start out in the make table. I was back there washing dishes. Well, I showed them I can wash dishes fast. And I got them down to a system. I figured out where all their stuff was and I, I could wash dishes fast. They couldn't make dishes fast enough. And so then they decided to put me someplace else. That's how it worked with everybody. Everybody, you start out in the back room and if you could handle the back room, they figured you could probably handle the make table. And then they move you on up to putting you in the make table. And if you showed a desire because not everybody wanted to get off the make table and go over to the ovens. Only a handful of people ever wanted to go over and run the ovens. But I always thought the ovens were the ultimate. I'm going to learn to run the ovens. And so I determined early on that during the slow times I had the guys show me how to run the ovens. Show me what to do. And they would start teaching me and show me how to run the ovens. You know, it was all I could handle to handle one oven. But we had four. Then eventually I got to where I could handle two ovens and, and then three ovens and then four ovens and got to where I could handle all the different nights. But I didn't start off there. You're giving dishes. What do you do? Be faithful washing dishes. At nighttime, I was faithful mopping the floor. I'd mop the floor. I think I told you the story about that one time, but I was in there. I worked several, several times without the manager, but I was over there mopping the floor. And all I did was mop the floor the way my mom taught me how to mop a floor. Because I didn't know any other way. All the only way I knew was how mom taught me how to mop the floor. And so I mopped the floor the way mom taught me how to mop the floor. And my manager looked at me in total stunned shock. He says, this is unbelievable. You're actually mopping underneath the ovens. That's, that's part of the floor, sir. We usually mo- yeah, but most people don't mop underneath the ovens. They just mop in the area there and they just leave the oven to go. You mopped under the ovens. I was watching. You mopped underneath the make table. She said, show faithfulness. I didn't know I was showing. I just thought I was just doing a normal thing. Show faithfulness. You show faithfulness in those things and then they start letting you do other, other stuff. Let you do other things. And you'll grow. But you've got to show faithfulness. Don't sit there and say, well, I, my people, my job, they're, they're no good. They're not seen. No, be faithful. Be faithful. If the employers that you have are not moving you up and not rewarding your faithfulness, God will see it and He will move you on to someone who will appreciate your faithfulness. He move you on to someone else. You just stay faithful. Because what is Faithful. What's our definition on it again? Devoted, trustworthy, dependable, dedicated, constant, and unwavering. See, I could be going around there and stupid little job like Ken's Pizza working making pizzas for people. I could be going around there and say, well, nobody else mops underneath here. Nobody else works under this. doesn't matter what other, anybody else does. What do you do? What do you do? Are you faithful? Be faithful with what God has given you. If God has given you some money, you say, only a little bit. It's all right. Be faithful with the little bit of money He's given you. Be faithful with it. Tithe off of the money that you got. Give when God says give, give. Because when God says give, like that widow woman, oh, He comes through powerfully. He doesn't need your little mites. (laughs) He doesn't need it. But he wants you to be faithful. Because when he sees someone being faithful, oh, does he reward? Does he reward? Brother Hagin used to tell us a story when he was going around doing ministry and just uh, barely making it along. Family was just not, not doing real well. Barely, barely making it. And uh, he would take that verse of Scripture over to God and he says, Look, the, your word says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. He said, I've been obedient. I got out here. I left a nice, comfortable church to get out of here on the road. And he just was going through the whole list with God. And God says, well, you've been obedient, but you haven't been uh, willing. He said, you're always going back over what you gave up and what you had. And, and so uh, Brother Hagin would teach us. He said, you know, it don't take long to get right. It don't take weeks to get right. You can get right in a matter of minutes. He said, I got down on my knees and I got right right then. I got willing. <laughs> And then he, God showed him how to pray and how to do some things and things uh, really turned around for him. Be faithful. 
Be faithful. Because it's right. Just just do it because it's right. That's the way that you should be. If you if you uh, work and you're due there at 4, what time should you get there? 4.10? 4.15? Yeah, get there 10 of. That's right. That's a good time. Get there quarter, quarter of, 10 of. Get, get there early. Because that's what? Being faithful. They're not going to be waiting on me. I'm going to be when I'm when they need me. I'm going to be there. How many of you ever had one of those jobs that uh, when you showed up if you if you were early you couldn't clock in because they couldn't pay the overtime. Well, just show up and be early. You know what happens sometimes? They'll say clock in. I used to do that in some of the places I had. You know, you clock in, and uh, they saw me show up early. Oh, can you clock in? Yes, I can. <laughs> I was fully prepared just to come in and sit on down and wait for my shift to start. To start. But I got in there, well, uh, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. And if they kept saying it, instead of coming in 10 minutes early, I come in 30 minutes early. And they see me come in 30 minutes early. Oh, can you clock in now? Sure can. Sure can. And then uh, sometimes they would call you up on the phone. Hey, can you come in a couple hours early? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. And you show up there a couple hours early. Because you're faithful. Because you're there. Because people can depend on you. And the people, they're going to they're call you in because they know when you come in, you're going to work. You're going to be faithful. Because that's what's on the nature. That's what comes out on the inside of you. You're faithful. You're not one of these people who clocks in and sits around. Reading in the newspaper. Pulling a magazine off the shelf and reading it. That's not being faithful. Be faithful. We read it again. A faithful person is one who is devoted, trustworthy, dependable, dedicated, constant, unwavering. That means, folks, when you show up at work tomorrow, you are unwavering, you are constant. You don't have bad days. You look yourself in the mirror and say, Self, you do not have a bad day. I will be the same today as I was yesterday. I will not be sad. I will not be mad. I will be the same as I was before. I will be efficient and I will be good. Now, how many of y'all know that there are times that your emotions are doing things to you when you're at work? That's all right. You just stand up there and you just say, emotions, get in line. I am a faithful person because I am attached to the vine and His faithfulness comes out in me. And God is the same today. He's the same yesterday. And He's the same forever. And the nature of God is what's working in me. The nature of God is what's working in me. Don't you, don't you hear this stuff? Well, you're just this kind of a person. No. What kind of a person are you? Faithful, faithful person. Thank you. <laughs> you are a faithful person. That's what you are. You look at yourself in the mirror and you don't say, I'm an emotional wreck. You look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am a faithful person. I am one who is dependable. I am one who is unwavering. I am one who is diligent. I am unchanging. I am consistent. I am faithful. And that little voice may go off inside your head and say, No, you're not. No, you're not. You look at yourself in the mirror and said, I am faithful. I am attached to the vine. The vine is faithful. And that faithfulness is working inside of me and I will produce fruits and that will be faithfulness. I am faithful. And you don't settle for anything else. I will be faithful to my spouse. I will be faithful to my kids. I will be faithful to my employer. I will be faithful to my God. I will be faithful to His Word. I'll be faithful and loyal to my friends. I'll be one that they can count on. I am a faithful person. It is required of stewards that they be found faithful. 1 Timothy 1.12 And I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has enabled me because He counted me what? Putting me into the ministry. God saw a faithfulness in Paul. Not when he's out there killing Christians. After he got born, he had opportunity to be faithful and God says, there it is. He's being faithful with what I have given him. And he said, he saw me being faithful and he counted it and put me in ministry. He saw God saw it. 
Understand this. When God sees faithfulness, He rewards it. Don't ever sit there and say, well, God, you're not rewarding my... Look how faithful I've been. Oh, look at all the things that... Oh, I've been so faithful. No, you don't have to remind God about that. God loves seeing faithfulness because that is His nature coming out of you. In Colossians, Paul singles out Epaphras, Tychicus, and Onesimus and calls them faithful brethren. I gave you the references there in Colossians. That's the Colossians reference. He cites three of these three guys and singles them out and says, that's a faithful person right there. Right there. Take note of it. That's a faithful person. He writes the whole book to the saints and faithful. Just because you're a saint doesn't mean you're faithful. <laughs> to the saints and faithful. Well, we got to make sure that faithfulness comes out of us. Goodness comes out of us. Faithfulness comes out of us. We are to be on the lookout for who we can do good to. We should not just be on the receiving end. Be on the lookout for who you can do good to. You may only be able to bless somebody with a quarter, 50 cents, a dollar. You may only be blessed them with whatever God tells you. If God tells you, you can do it. You may not feel like you can do it, but if God tells you to do it, you can do it. How many of y'all know the widow woman who saw Elijah probably didn't think, I can do this, but God says, yes, you can, and she could. It just was hard. You can. But don't always be on the receiving end. Don't always be on the receiving end. Be on the blessing end. Get out there and start, start giving to, to folks. I know that, how many of y'all know there's people that in your life always are looking to receive? And they never give of what they have. They just receive. They just receive. How many of y'all get worn out on that? You know why? Because the nature of God gives out on that. God does not give in to people who do not give themselves. Because it's an empty spot. It's just that you're just giving into a sister and it's just nothing. You're giving and giving and giving and nothing comes out. God expects that when He gives into you, that you give out to someone else. And that that person gives out to someone else. And that that person gives out. To, he just loves seeing that kind of stuff go on. Make sure you are not always on the receiving end. Be a giver. Let that nature of God come up, that goodness of God, and be a giver. Again, don't look at the amount. God does not look at the amount. God looks at the condition of the heart and says, I will give of what I have. And when God says to do something that's hard, I will do it. I will give it. I will not hang on to that thing. The rich young ruler was asked to give a little mite, right? What was he asked to do? Go sell all that you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. Hmm. That's a little much for him to do, wasn't it? Don't just be on the receiving end. Be on the giving end. As believers, branches of the vine, we should become more faithful as time goes on. How many of you can look back from where you were a year ago and say, I am more faithful now than I was a year ago? That's the nature of God working out on you. That's the nature of God taking you over and making you more dependable, more constant, more unwavering. That's the nature of God working on the inside of you. And next year this time, you're going to look back and say, you know what? I'm even more faithful than I was before. And it's going to keep on changing. If you can say, you know what? I am more faithful this year than I was last year. You don't have to raise your hand on that, but if you can say that, guess what? You're bearing fruit. You're not an unproductive branch. You're bearing fruit. You can look at yourself and say, you know what? The faithfulness of God is coming out stronger in me than it was before. You are bearing fruit. How about with goodness? Is there more goodness in you? Is there more of a desire to give in you than there was before? I'm not talking about ability. I'm not saying over the last year I have your ability to give. I'm talking, is there more of a desire? Then that's fruit. That's taking the nature of God in goodness and the nature of God in faithfulness and making it a part of you. And you are producing fruit. You're producing fruit. Do you all know that's fruit? This is fruit producing. This is what God looks at. This is what the Word of God is to come in and to change. 
It changes our faithfulness. It changes our goodness. Last week we looked at the long-suffering and the kindness aspect of it. But it will change all these things for us in a good way. Again, what is faithful? There we go. Devoted, trustworthy, dependable, dedicated, constant, unwavering. You want to write that? Put it on your refrigerator. Look at it. I am a faithful person. One who is devoted, trustworthy, dependable, dedicated, constant, and unwavering. I am a giver. There is nothing but the goodness of God on the inside of me and it is growing. I am a giver. I will give of my money. I'll give of my time. I'll give of what I have. But again, that word is particularly talking about our money. Because sometimes it's tough. And we sometimes will hide behind excuses. Well, you know, if I only had more. Well, you might give if you, if you did have more. But glory to God, give out all what you have. Let these fruits come out of you. Get tied into God. Become even more faithful. Walk into the goodness of God more. We still have some more words to be looking at describing the fruitful, fruit-bearing life and we're going to begin to look at them. Ones that remain next week. Would you all stand up with me? Oh, Father, we thank you for the example we have of one who is faithful. One who is good. The goodness of God, the faithfulness of God stand as a testimony to us and Father God, we are pursuing after that. We need to look ourselves in the mirror every day and say, I am full of the goodness of God. I am full of the goodness of God and I will produce, I will give out, I will bear fruit in the area of goodness. I will not hoard up what it is that I have, but I will give when God says to give. I will do what God has told me to do. I will look myself in the mirror every day and instead of seeing a faithless, worthless person, I will declare to myself, I am a faithful person. I am growing in the faithfulness of God every single day. And I am becoming more and more faithful. As He is faithful, so am I walking in that way. And every day I am becoming more and more like His image. I am part of the vine. And the nature of the vine is taking me over. No longer am I lazy, uncommitted, moving back and forth, left and right, No, now I am unwavering. I am committed. I am devoted. I am dedicated. I am steady. I am a faithful person because the faithfulness of God is rising up on the inside of me. Father, we thank you for it. We give you the praise and the glory that you are changing our very nature and we are becoming more and more and more like you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.